Disclaimer, we do not agree with or support J.K. Rowling's bigotry and prejudice in any way, shape, or form, and we also do not tolerate Draco stands or Death Eater sympathizers. However, you are all warmly welcome to tune in to our podcast. We'd also like to forewarn everyone that we will be mentioning later books and events in every episode. So here's your official spoiler alert. On with this show. My name is Adelia Volkanak, here with Colin Bones. Welcome to our podcast, Ron and Hermione Minus the Romance. Let's get to it. Today we are analyzing and discussing chapters 10 and 11 from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So, should I go first this time? Yeah. Okay. So, my first note is about Harry's broom, which is really exciting like, for me. I feel like we should tell them. I feel like I okay. feel like they need to know. Why do you have to do this? I don't No, because like okay. Basically It's been a rough start. I today. yeah, I we recorded that intro like 5 times and then my we realized my audio wasn't even working that entire time. And so I'm very apparently a horrible actor at pretending that this hasn't been said before. But yeah, it's okay. Just, um yeah. Yeah, this this first little section has already been talked about, but we're going to do it again. So, <laughs> so, my first note was about Harry getting his broom, which I thought was really exciting for him. And Hermione, who isn't really speaking to them at the moment, you know, she goes up to them and she's like, I suppose you think this is a reward for breaking the rules, which I thought was hilarious because she's just being annoying, but she's absolutely right because yeah. Harry broke the rules. He got on the broom when Madame Hooch told him not to, and of course Hermione was still there telling him not to do it and because Gryffindor happened to need a seeker and he happened to be really talented he got a broom which I thought was kind of funny because it happens a lot you know they happen to do things and you know they break the rules and it happens to be something that's like good you know like they do it for a good reason and they save someone's life and then they get an award and it's like the end of the book but (laughs) yeah but like literally the next book they get like hundred something points for breaking the rules like pure I mean oh it's God, for yeah. literal at that point it's legit saving the world but still <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it brought me a really sick sense of satisfaction when Malfoy found out that the broom was like on purpose because he came over and he was like I'm gonna tell on you they're gonna be so mad <laughs> and, and I love that Ron <laughs> is like can't hold himself back <laughs> and he's like you know what kind of broom that is Draco <laughs> Because I would do the same thing. I would not be able to hold it back. Malfoy deserved it. You know, he thought he was, like, God's gift to Quidditch, and he was constantly telling people about it, but I feel like this is probably the first slap in the face he ever really got. You know, like, his parents enabled his disgusting behavior, and this was probably the first time The first metaphorical slap in the face. But it will happen a lot, (laughs) physically. It will. Um, But yeah, this is probably the first time he ever really felt like someone had outbested him at something that he thought he was really good at. And I really think he deserved it. I really, I really do. He absolutely deserved it. And I really wish it would have helped him come to his senses, you know? Like, he brags about being good at everything, and then he finds out he isn't. For most normal people, that would be like a, huh, maybe I should do some reflecting. Yeah, and like, I, not honestly, we never, really, we never really see what Draco is good at, you know? 
Like, I wonder. <laughs> because, like, I that seems, it, like, the only yeah. thing. Like, he seems like he's pretty good at Quidditch. He, like, does this sure, horrible yeah. move where he, like, grabs Harry's broom by the end. Yeah. That takes some willpower. I gotta give him that. I'm I mean, pretty sure it's against yeah. the rules, but, like... <laughs> I think, honestly, Draco not being the star at anything was very purposeful because I found um, that usually the meanest people are the most, like, forgive me, but mediocre, you know? Draco wasn't anything special, but because he was raised to be a jerk and to be a Death Eater, you know, he was... Bullies like that are typically enabled by their parents or the people around them and let them think that they're so special and all of these things, but they're really just not, and they're just mean, you know? I feel like Draco, thinking that he's the best at everything and actually not being the best at anything was really a big part of his character. And he probably, if he just didn't focus all his time on bullying people, he probably would have found something he was good at. And although, like, people always say that he was, like, good at potions, but that's obviously, like, Snape just being biased towards the Slytherins, which they say multiple times. (laughs) I feel like there have been plenty of times when it's been described that Draco has a potion that's, like, not gone well, but Snape is like, full credit. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, I feel like we see several times, like, explicitly that he's made, like, a mediocre potion and still gets five points for it. He's really good at being a horrible person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's definitely mastered He straight up gets a bird executed. What the a bird. Um, it's a bird. Riff. It's just a big bird. It's part bird, part horse. So it wouldn't be completely... <laughs> oh, pardon <laughs> me. I don't know, quite know the right You're the one that corrected me last time about my pronunciation of the character names, okay? Um, who did it initially? Who was making fun of me for stalagmites, okay? Who is it? Who is it? Was it? Yeah, me. But that was very different. That wasn't like you were saying it wrong. That was you saying that it wasn't possible for anyone to know what they were. <sighs> My second note is about the Halloween feast, which is not like super eventful, but I mean, it kind of is. But I find it interesting because Halloween, you know, is mentioned in every single book, what with the feast being such a huge event. But not once do they mention that it's the anniversary of James and Lily's deaths, which I found a, a bit odd. Not necessarily in this particular book, because Harry was so young and so new to the wizarding world that he probably didn't know. But I just, I feel like I, at some point in the books, expected some sort of, like, tiny bit of recognition. Not necessarily from Harry, because there's not a blueprint to to how you have to grieve or remember people. I didn't expect him to, like, there to be a whole chapter devoted to him being, like, upset and sullen every book. But I'm kind of surprised that it's never really mentioned. You know what? That's right, too. But it's also weird that they don't, like, not everyone celebrates it, because that's the day Lord Voldemort died. Like, you'd think everyone would be celebrating that, too, instead of just, like, Halloween. You'd think it would be more important than celebrating (laughs) Halloween at that point. Like, that's deserving of a holiday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, like, in the first chapter, I think it was McGonagall that said, like, you know, he's going to be so famous and he's going to be living with muggles. I wouldn't be surprised if this day was known as Harry Potter Day in the future. (laughs) And obviously, you know, having a real holiday named Harry Potter Day would probably be really cheesy to have in the books. Very, like, trite. But I still feel like I am surprised that there was never really any sort of recognition and about, like, the anniversary of James and Lily's deaths. Like, it's never... I mean, as far as I can remember, it's never mentioned on any Halloween ever. Yeah. Weird. 
and their birthdays aren't either. Um, <laughs> which I mean, like, yeah, Harry probably didn't know them for a really long time. We don't know when or he didn't like, really, he found like, them out. It's weird. He didn't really like care to know about them, which is seems weird. I don't really think it's. I mean, that I guess he wasn't that connected like, to his parents really when he doesn't yeah, know I mean, them it at would all. Be really, it would be really hard. I think the formative years of his life were really important to feel that connection to his parents. I feel like he would have felt more of a connection if the Dursleys would have raised him with any sort of knowledge about his parents. But because they were, you know, shielded from him until he was 11, and even so, and even then they still were, I feel like, you know, going 11 years, not knowing anything, not being allowed to ask anything, kind of takes away, like, the want for knowledge, you know? Yeah. So I feel like it's partly, again, the Dursley's fault that he didn't really... And I don't think it's not that he didn't want to. I just think it's that he didn't know, like, how to ask, who to ask, even though, you know, he knew people who had known his parents. McGonagall would probably have, like, a whole essay prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just think that that area of his life, he probably had no idea how to navigate because of how he grew up with the Dursleys, like, not letting him know anything. And I can definitely see, like, the adults around him wanting to, but, like, not knowing what to say. Like, because how do you even approach that kind of conversation? Like, hey, if you ever want to talk about your dead parents, chat (laughs) me up, you know? Like... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it would be really difficult to navigate on both sides because Harry, you know, again, like, he was never allowed to ask any sort of questions, much less about his parents. So then... He gets somewhere where everyone knows him and his parents. And I feel like he's probably really overwhelmed. Like, he probably knows that that information is right there and all he has to do is ask. But at the same time, I feel like he probably... There was some part of him that wondered if his parents were good people or not. Because usually when people are restricting information, it's about things that they think are dangerous or wrong or or whatever. So I'm sure that, you know, at the beginning, he was afraid of finding information about his parents and when he did find information that he thought was like painted his parents in a bad light it really affected him like in the fifth book when he saw into the Pensieve or was it the sixth book the the sixth no it was the fifth it was the fifth um you know he saw into the Pensieve and thought that his father had been a horrible person and that Lily had been forced to marry him in some way like that seriously affected him for several days until he got it cleared up so I feel like you know because of the way that the Dursleys approached or, you know, didn't approach the topic of his parents really affected how much he wanted to know about them and, you know, how he ended up going about it. And, you know, okay, so of course, Halloween feast means troll. Um, you know, honestly, <laughs> Something horrible I happened to Halloween it. every year. It's, <laughs> Halloween is just a um, horrible day for wizards or something. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that's, like, a, something that Voldemort would have cursed as well, like, the day that he died, you know? Oh, like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but I was going to say, like, we've got we've to hand it to Coral. You know, he's putting on a really good show for yes. them. Like, he's really selling what it. What is with you know? Voldemort's followers all being really good at improv? Like, they Fantastic. know how... I could they're never. so good. Like, him and Barty Crouch Jr. should start, like, an improv group or something. <laughs> yeah, like, I, being an actress, can say that I am the absolute worst at improv. I hate improv. It's so awful. I'm so horrible at it. But, um, yeah, and I think that it's interesting that only Snape was suspicious. Because he's the only... Quarrel, I mean, was the only teacher that happened to not be at this massive feast. But he, and he wasn't like in his office or patrolling the corridors. He was in the dungeons 
and happens to find a random loose troll in the castle because that really sounds like a diversion okay, to me. Okay, well, Snape would be the only one to not be worrying about keeping the children safe instead. <laughs> so yeah, I think but, anyone you know, else was more concerned with, you know, being a teacher. Yeah, but later in the actual, like, wherever the stone is kept, what is that, like, the dungeons or I don't know, but, um... um Their third floor girls, corridor. Yeah, duh. But they went, like, under the school because they went through the... Yeah, I've always wondered about that. Like, if it's on the third (laughs) floor, how... Then there's the trap door, and that leads them, like... No, but that has to mean that, like, someone... Like, there's a circle, just a giant round something (laughs) down on, like, the second and first floor that, like... I guess. Like, if... Like but someone, I, yeah. imagine like McGonagall just like walking by and hearing them scream as they fell down into the thing. Oh my gosh, I mean that she probably wouldn't think about it. She'd be like, "Man, that's weird." <laughs> just keep going. But um, just like an I, average day at Hogwarts, really. Yeah. What I was gonna say though is that Quirrell says when he talks to Harry, when Harry gets there and he goes, "You," and then the next chapter, and Quirrell says, "Yeah, it's me." But um, he's talking about how Snape always suspected him, like from day one, and so Snape suspected him before the Halloween feast. It wasn't like on the fa- Halloween feast he was like, "Man, that's kind of weird." Like it was before that, and so I mean, Snape I think... was kind of the first ever people like talking to him. Well, was he talking to them? Really? I thought might have just been in the movie, but like he was sitting yeah. next to him at the feast. Uh, the oh, opening feast? The what am I saying? The, the start, start of term of feast. feast, yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was kind of interesting because, um, and it's like, and it's not just like the troll, it's like, you know, going back to what I said last or two episodes ago or one episode ago, I'm pretty shocked that no one had the sense to check up on Quirrell after he went insane after being in the deep forests of Albania. You know, I doubt this behavior was normal. Yeah. Some of like, the teachers should have, should have Saint, noticed. St. Mungo's therapy probably, department. Probably, and then they would have probably, depending on when they sent him there, they probably would have been like, wow, he's got another face growing out of his head. But, you know, <laughs> since... Yeah, I feel like someone should have noticed. But since, you know, since the beginning of the school year, he had Voldemort on the back of his head. I'm not sure how much they could have done to help him. But it wasn't even necessarily about helping Quirrell anymore. It was about protecting the people around him. Yeah. So, I, I don't it's know. It's also really it. weird. Like, a lot of people could assume that, like, a part of Dumbledore's great plan might have been that he knew it was Quirrell all along or something. But, like, you'd know. think, like, Dumbledore can sense magic. We, like, see that in the cave. Like, there is some kind of energy that he can sense that he knows, like, how to unveil something, okay? He yes. would definitely sense something incredibly powerful <laughs> next to Quirrell. Yeah, and and I know- don't think he would have seen that before when they, like, hired him. Yeah, do you remember, though, um, when, like, later in this book, when Harry has, like, been, like, he's collapsed or whatever, and Dumbledore said to him later, he was like, yeah, I was in, you know, I was flying to, on a broom to where, to the ministry, and then I got this weird feeling that something was wrong, and then I came back, and here you were, and here, like, I found... I can't wait till we get there, because that's totally a plot hole or something, because there's two different stories told from it. Dumbledore says that, and then he says that when he got to the ministry, he got the letter from Ron and Hermione. I thought he said that he had missed their owl in midair. No. He had, like, because Harry said, did you get Hermione's owl? And he said, no, I must have missed it. But I was just going to say that that kind of goes, like, that random feeling you had kind of goes back to what you were saying about him being able to sense magic like that. Oh, yeah. 
Okay, and what was my note? Oh, okay, yes, the troll. I've always been so confused. How did that giant troll get into the bathroom? How big is that door? I'm so confused. Um, given that the ceilings at Hogwarts look to be about, like, a thousand feet okay, tall, I'm but sure... but you don't make the doors to scale. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have this giant door to the girl's bathroom. 20-foot <laughs> door. Yeah. The handle would be ten feet up. You would need a ladder just to turn the handle. <laughs> um, I don't... How tall did it say the troll was? Like, 20... No. 20 feet? Are they as tall as giants, or are they, like, short? I don't know. It's probably also a hairy narrator thing, because he's obviously 11, so he's going to be a lot shorter. Yeah. I feel shoulder. like the scale... I feel like how tall they made the troll in the movies is a bit exaggerated, because I mm. don't think they would be the same height as... I almost said dragons. No, as giants. Um, I don't think they would be, like, 20... Like, okay, Grop was 20-something feet tall, and he was a runt, so... <laughs> Giants would be like 30, 40 feet tall. Um, I would and then they say make that. the giants like really small in Deathly Hollows. Like they always they had yeah. that one, and he looked way too short. Like weren't they like yeah. stepping over Hogwarts? Like the giants. Um, not over the entire castle because that castle is taller than forty feet tall. But <laughs> I know <laughs> you know there's like, like nine. What like there's like a hundred floors at Hogwarts. But like they were crushing like people with their feet. Tall. Like, that was the yes, thing. Yes, because they were, like, 40 feet tall, which is still really tall. I just feel like giants <laughs> Unless they're just, like, super skinny. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, how tall are, I mean, trolls. I feel like they would probably be, like, 10, 15 feet? Let's see. I bet it's somewhere on, like, Harry Potter wiki. Yeah, let me find it. 12 feet. See, I was right. Like, 10, 15, you know, 12 feet. So that's... Are doors if 12 feet have, up high? <laughs> I feel like at, I mean, no. How tall is like a, a I mean, regular door? If, if he like, like crawled into there, but they don't really describe him <laughs> crawling into the door. No. Um, I don't know. Because a regular door, I would say, is about like six feet tall. So, and you know, the handles are like right where you can reach it. So I'm doubting that there'd be like a 12 foot door and the handle would be so low to the ground that you'd have to like pull on it with all of your body weight. <laughs> I but, just um, have to go maybe, to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they have abnormally large doors with the really low handles and the troll just had to crouch a little bit, you know, like duck his head. And like, also, like, like, they need to add some more bathrooms into this place. The girls lose two bathrooms in this entire series. Like, what the heck? What? I mean, I don't really get why they let Moaning Myrtle stay there, or any ghost stay there. I feel like she was forced to stay there because she was haunting Olive Thornby. And yeah. Olive was like, dude, get her away from me. Didn't she, like, show up at her wedding? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> that you know she's like a ghost and she's she would have, like just splash water on her the entire ceremony <laughs> she's like no it's like she's one of those people that gets like even though she can't be wasted she's like one of those people at weddings who gets like super wasted makes a really embarrassing toast you know myrtle would be, be up there and she'd be like okay well she's the reason i died enjoy your party and then just leave <laughs> like 
So I feel like Morning Mur- Moaning Myrtle was forced to stay there, but at the same time, like we talked about with Dumbledore and Peeves, I feel like he was kind of like enjoying the show. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I feel like he was like I also mean, you know, Peeves. I'm Peeves. Poltergeists are just like attracted to like mischief energy, and that's like how they're like yeah. powered. So it would make sense that he would go to a children's school. <laughs> yeah, probably full of wizards. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> um. Okay, so you talked about this several times on the Hermione lie, and obviously it's very important, but also doesn't really make sense, because why does she lie? Like, her story wouldn't have gotten any of them in trouble. Like, she says, I was crying in the bathroom, They they have no reason to ask her why she was crying in the bathroom, and then she's like, okay, the boys thought I was in trouble and they went and looked for me. Nobody would have gotten in trouble. Um, I feel like they probably would have still gotten some points taken away because they literally went in to, like, find a troll. But I think the thing is, is that Hermione, at this point, has heard Ron say she's so insufferable, no wonder she has no friends. So I feel like in that moment, because she was obviously drawn to Harry and Ron for some reason and wanted to be their friend but didn't know how to go about it. So I feel like this was her kind of showing them, like, you know, I, like, I'll do this for you if, you know, I can have friends. Like, I want to be your friend. This is how I'm showing you that I can be your friend and not, like, just annoy you a lot. You know, like, I feel like that was, I feel like that was her way of telling them, you know, like, okay, fine. Like, I'm, I'm in it. You know, it's fine. You know, I'll, I'll lie for you within, like, sometimes, you know, like, things like this. Because I feel like they probably still would have gotten in trouble, especially because she was 11 and she probably would have said, Ron said something mean and I was in here crying and they came and found me and fought a troll. So I feel like they probably, and because Harry and Ron were supposed to go back with the prefects at dinner. And they didn't do that. They went and found Hermione, which, honorable, yes, but I still feel like they could have gotten points taken off for that as well. And so I feel like that was Hermione, you know, she had heard what Ron said, and it probably made her really sad, and rightfully so, because that was really mean. Um, even if he meant it, and even if it was true, like, it wasn't wasn't very nice. But I feel like she heard that and probably had some time to think and was like, you know, maybe they're right. And it wasn't necessarily about her toning down her intelligence, because I don't think any girl should ever have to do that but I think it was about the way she kind of like prioritized herself and her image and the rules over people who could be her friends so I feel like that was her way of showing them you know like I'll be your friend and I'll put you first yeah okay no comment yeah I agree I don't (laughs) also I just want to point out that Ron did the Wingardium Leviosa thing on on his own choice he did not need help like it was portrayed in the movie (laughs) oh yeah he totally did it um oh yeah that was my next note which was obviously happened before the troll but we just got to talking about the troll I think the the Wingardium Leviosa scene is probably one of my favorites in the entire book, like, in all of the books, like, ever. It's just so funny. Because, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> Ron gets bested by Hermione, and then she gets congratulated by Flitwick, and poor Ron is so angry, and he's in a horrible mood for the rest of class. And 
before I get to, like, the actual point of this note, I'd like to say that I think Ron is really funny when he's in a bad mood. However, we kind of see the beginnings of him having a bit of a temper here. They all and have not, such horrible tempers. No, yes, Probably have that's to do absolutely with them true. being teenagers, but... Yeah, that's absolutely right. I'm just saying, like, not in this very moment, yeah. but later, when he makes that comment about Hermione that causes her to be near the troll in the first place, I'm sure he felt bad, but Ron has a tendency to react very negatively to any sort of outbesting by anyone else, and I feel like that's a direct result of his upbringing. You know, he's constantly competing with everyone, even if no one else thinks it's a competition, and I think there's something about the dynamic of his relationship with Hermione that makes it completely unbearable coming from her, especially at the beginning before they're friends. Like, it's just something about the dynamic of their relationship that whenever she gets something right in, and, you know, he feels like an idiot. He just gets so angry. And that caused him to make that really mean comment about her that she heard. And then they got into the whole troll situation. But yeah, Ron, like, we see that a lot with his siblings. You know, like, lots of time Fred and George, you know, he'll do something and they'll go, you're an idiot. And he'll, like, throw something at them. He threw a knife at them one time. You know, he'll flip them off in front what? of his mother. I do not and, remember like, that. <laughs> that was, like, because he was, they were, like, at the burrow and he and Harry were supposed to help like chopping vegetables and he was like come on help us out and they were like no you suck and Ron threw the knife at them <laughs> and Fred and George were of age so that's why they wanted that. their help and he turned the knife like into like a like a bird or something I don't know and then Molly saw it but I feel like any sort of competition or any time he feels like he's not doing something as well as someone else could do it and they rub it in his face whether on purpose or on accident he reacts really negatively and really he's very volatile sometimes which we see a lot but obviously all of them have issues with handling their aggression i it was just something i noticed about ron in this chapter yeah um that just gave me incredible inspiration and i think <laughs> somebody needs to hire me for this but here's the here's the prompt they should do the Snickers commercial, but with this scene. Oh my god. They should <laughs> have him go outside after the scene and then, like, Harry be like, you're not yourself when you're... <laughs> oh my god. And then he gives him it and then he turns into Rupert Grant. <laughs> oh my gosh. That would be that would be kind of funny, though. I feel like lots of people would be, like, looking at that and say, like, what does that mean? Like, what, what Okay, that? but that's, like, one of the <laughs> most that? iconic Harry Potter scenes of all time. Oh, people yeah. People are gonna know Yeah, that. for sure. For sure. Yeah, oh, I also wrote, like, I really do feel bad for Hermione when she overhears Ron call oh, her insufferable yeah. and, like, says that she's had no friends. Because, like, I feel like that's also one of Hermione's biggest fears. You know, not mm -hmm. having friends and not have anyone like her. It shows up a little bit differently in her than it does in, you know, say Ron or in Harry. But I think that she's so afraid of not being smart that she becomes preoccupied with being the best. But then she's so focused and driven that she's obnoxious to other people. But she doesn't know how not to be. Mm -hmm. I really feel, actually, I wrote this, that I... <laughs> I always really, really related to Hermione because sometimes I would feel so obsessed with making sure that people knew that I was smart, that I forgot to be nice or I forgot to listen to people or actually be a friend to people. And, you know, I've, le <laughs> I've learned to tone it down over the years. But I really think that this issue, you know, of, of mine and Hermione's has everything to do with really deep insecurities. You know, the smartest, most accomplished people are usually the ones with the most insecurities. And sometimes I feel like Hermione's probably drowning in them. And that comment from Ron, you know, he probably didn't 
mean anything by it. Obviously, he meant it. You know, he thought he, she was annoying, but he never yeah. really took the time to, like, understand why she just couldn't seem to, you know, not. Like, I'm sure she was probably... I'm sure some event in her life triggered this insecurity and she just felt like she had to be the best. But her being the best, you know, intellectually and in school caused her, you know, she was just so focused on it that she didn't know how to, you know, divide that focus and be a good friend and be nice and all kinds of things. So I feel like, yeah, I felt really bad for her because she, she learned to tone it down. You know, she was always very smart and that's not what I'm talking about, toning down. You know, it's not that. It's never you know, dumbing yourself down or not letting people see it. It's more of of dividing the focus and allowing yourself to, you know, focus on being a good friend, which I feel like is really important for her and for everyone as well. But, um, yeah, I feel like mostly it's, I feel like that problem of hers or that trait of hers stems from like a really deep insecurity. Yeah, and something I don't see a lot of people talking about, but, like, that is so, that makes it so much worse, is that Hermione's birthday is in September. Like, she spent it all alone with no friends. Like, that is very sad. sad. And then she goes, well, it's, like, a month later, but, like, (laughs) it's still so sad that, like, she's so alone she must feel so alone because everybody hates her literally everybody hates her yeah and I just I feel so bad because she probably had no idea like how to fix it you know because she's thinking like I'm doing so well in class my teachers are really impressed with me but she probably didn't know how to refocus or you know divide and refocus that sort of energy into being a good friend because Mm -hmm. I feel like you know again she's probably so insecure I don't know what event could have triggered this. It could have been absolutely nothing. It oh could have my been gosh! I it... really want to know more about Hermione's family, and it's really Same. so awful that we never get to learn about it because they. I, know. I cannot imagine how pissed they must be in the later books because she leaves them every year to go do something else. Yeah, and like we even she even says that they were like kind of hurt by her when they were like on skiing vacation and like she like left halfway through to come back yeah that was the year that arthur had been hurt and harry was hiding in in buckbeat's room (laughs) (laughs) yeah i find it interesting that each of them have a really big fear of you know being left out not having friends not having family like they have pretty much like the same big fear but it shows up differently in each one of them you know Hermione shows up in not having friends and not having anyone like her Harry's is not having family because he never felt like he did and Ron's is more you know being left out being left behind and again you know not having friends you know, it's or also kind of, his of own. just like not having family either like he kind of has the very same problem as Harry because he might as yeah. well not have family like they obviously care for him but like he doesn't feel that yeah. care <laughs> yeah I feel yeah I feel like he uh, he recognizes that he did grow up in a you know traditionally loving household and that he's loved by his family but I do that doesn't mean that he's like not allowed to have that fear but still Which I also like, I feel like that makes the change what they did in the movie when they make him be the person to say the line of your parents are dead which doesn't happen because I feel like 
Ron and Hermione yeah. never go oh talk to him about that because they know Absolutely that not. it's a very Absolutely personal not. issue and they're not going to say something yeah. like that. Oh and God. it's ridiculous that they think Ron would do that, even with a Horcrux. Yeah, song. absolutely. I've seen plenty of people, like, you know, those scenes get spread around on TikTok. The one where he makes a comment about Eloise Midgen. I'm not saying that it's nice, but he was not fat shaming her. He was making fun of her acne, which is obviously not cool. Mm-hmm. You know, she couldn't change that. She did try to curse it off in one year and seriously injured herself. <laughs> That's so, so sad. Horrible. But, you know, scenes like that get thrown around on apps like TikTok and people are always like, oh my god, this is why I hate Ron. It's like, you have to understand that lots of scenes like that were added into the movie for either comedic effect or just because and for the sake of the scene. And lots of them just did not happen. And that one in particular that you were talking about in the Deathly Hallows, Oh my god, you know, Ron would yeah. Ron would never because he of all people understands because he has the same fear. It it's a little different, not that one is worse than the Especially other. Especially when he's because... literally worrying at the moment that his family is dead. Like why yeah, exactly. would he say that? <laughs> you know. Like that's the worrying, reason he's, yeah, he's leaving. He's worrying about <laughs> Exactly. And he's he's also, you know, feeling left out, which is another huge fear and insecurity of his. But, no, he, he would never say that. And, you know, Harry's fear of not having families is a bit different because he never really did. You know, he had the Dursleys, but they, you know, they're not family. They might be by blood, but they didn't they didn't treat him like family. And, you know, Ron's comes from the really, you know, intense atmosphere of competition and, you know, all of that in his family, which I feel like is really sad to inflict on all of those kids. Um, I feel like it affected the younger ones the most because there were so many in front of them that they had to live up to but um but yeah Ron I just yeah I see that scene and it's like it's very intense like it's a good movie scene you know it's intense but it does not hold true to Ron's character fundamentally at all yeah one of the big things about the movies that's an issue with the movies is that they go for intensity over characters (laughs) like they care over authenticity yeah, yeah that's what it meant yeah Okay, I'm ready to move yeah. on to the next chapter, if that's all right okay. with you. Yeah, sure. Hermione's our friend now! <laughs> Which Yay! feels so much, so rushed every time you read it. You're like, wow, that really happens in, like, a couple of pages. Like, in the other books, that would have taken, like, five chapters. Like, <laughs> just devoted like kind to of them makes... becoming friends. I feel like it kind of makes sense. Like, I get what you mean, absolutely, because it happens in, like, two sentences. But, um, I mean, it kind of makes sense. You know, she's... You know, Ron's like, she's insufferable, no wonder she ha- doesn't have friends. Hermione lies for them and basically is saying, like, you know, I can I can do it. You know, I can put things above the rules. You know, that's kind of her showing them. She's like, I can let it go for at least a little while. And, you know, she's showing them that what she can bring to the table. And Harry and Ron save her from a troll. I feel like it's really... Honestly, it makes sense that it would just that it would just be like that, and they don't need to discuss it because I don't even know if Hermione knew that that's what she was doing by lying for them, but she was. You know, she was saying like, "I can put you and us above the rules, and I can, you know, I can be there for you guys." And you know, Harry and Ron were saying the same thing. It's kind of like you know, even if we mess up, we will be here to save you from trolls and, you know, other things like that. So I feel like it does make sense to me that it was just like that and that they didn't need to discuss it or anything. Because they kind of did, you know, that whole encounter was them basically showing each other, like, okay, you know, we can do this. You know, I'll put my stuff aside and you put yours aside and it'll be fine. And that's what makes me so upset when people are like, oh, Harry and Hermione 
are gonna ditch Ron when they're adults and stuff because they literally went through hell together. Like, literally. Horrible. Like, it's one thing, like, I'm frustrated with the people who are like, Ron and Hermione would are too toxic. They'd get a divorce or something. That's one thing. What? But they would never like not be friends, even in that scenario. No. Like No. I I could never see them not together. They might have they might have argued, but I don't really think that's to be mistaken for a toxicity. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> and it's also like when people say that like they're not good friends because they argue all the time, do people not realize that these books succumb a year? Like, you're telling me you don't argue with your friends, like, have one big argument a year? Yeah. My best friend and I, when we first met, we met in third grade. We were, I don't really remember, you know, much of third grade or anything. It's, like, it's kind of weird. But I do remember, you know, the first day of fourth grade, I can remember that very clearly. And I, that day, we were already super, super close. So I know that in between, you know, the beginning of third grade and the beginning of fourth, we became really close friends. We argued constantly you know constantly about the dumbest things and it only ever took a couple days to resolve but we argued you know a lot in fourth grade we argued in fifth grade I moved away in sixth grade and that may be why we haven't argued but I see her every year and I stay with her family for several weeks at a time we haven't had a single argument since then you know arguments discussions can be healthy um but I think it's kind of ridiculous to assume that you know because we've argued and we've argued about stupid things and we've gone without speaking for to each other for weeks that we're like not good friends and that you know we we have like a toxic friendship i find that kind of ridiculous yeah <laughs> this actually kind of blends in perfectly to my actual note that i have here but like <laughs> i understand that harry's the main character and that we need to focus on him and i think it's weird that people are like Ugh, I can't believe you have to be in Harry's perspective the whole time when the book's it's named called after Harry him. Potter. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> I'm, I really wish we got to see, like, the whole of Ron and Hermione's friendship. Because we only ever yeah. see it with Harry. And they have the moment where they're like, rather you than me, when he's, like, going to do the snake, going to go talk <laughs> to Snape. And they, like, say it at the same time. And it's like, so clearly they're, like, close at this point, even if they're, like, still yeah, in that absolutely. kind of, like arguey friend stage but like yeah i just see what they do when they aren't around harry because obviously they're that would be interesting yeah yeah i I believe there's a part in one of the other books where he like finds him just like asleep next to each other and that seems like such a fun friend thing to do (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that would be interesting i think that a large part of their friendship was that they all you know they experienced everything together like their experience was so unique and you know what you were saying about like people saying that they think that Ron and Hermione would be divorced, but that they'd always be friends. Like, their experience was so unique that I think that no matter what, those three would have been bonded for life. You know, no matter what. Like, everyone went through the war. Everyone went through that. But no one went through what Harry, Ron, and Hermione did. Like, that was very, very specific. Um, Yeah, so I feel like, and, you know, a large part of their friendship was that it was the three of them always. But it still would have been interesting to see, like, other... You know, we see kind of Harry's relationship with Ron and then Harry's separate relationship with Hermione. And I think it would, yeah, it would be pretty interesting to see it the other way around. And they definitely have those moments. I feel like there's people who, like, deny that, like, Ron and Hermione weren't close friends. But, like, there's definitely a lot of moments in the other books where they're, like, because they have, like, the moments where they're, like, parenting Harry. Like, they have, like, (laughs) the talks and then they, like, Harry comes in and they're, like, listen, 
we've been talking, honey. <laughs> we've been talking. <laughs> yeah. It's just the funniest thing ever. Yeah, it's like, listen, honey, but we're also worried about you so a little bit. also, it's so degrading. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I it's mean, so I funny, though, Ron sometimes. I mean, I think are going to be great parents, but, like, they're, that's definitely going to be something they're going to fail at. They are definitely going to be so degrading yeah. to their children. Harry... <laughs> Harry does say several times that he's, like, when he's going through something, like, just really going through it, he said, like, he said, like, in the books, like, you know, I'll walk into a room and Ron and Hermione will immediately stop talking. Yeah. And it's, like, they're just constantly talking about him. <laughs> they must be, like, so worried. I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine having a friend that's, like, gone through and is currently going through all of that stuff. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't even know what to do. Yeah. I wouldn't even know, like, I would, if it was, like, you know, us two and we had a friend that was, like, just really going through it like yeah. they were, I'd probably be talking to you about them, like, dude, are they okay? Yeah. Like, is there something we should be doing right now? <laughs> yeah, but I feel like the people who deny, like, who have read the books, mm-hmm. probably, you know, like, more than once, the people who still deny the depth of Ron and Hermione's, like, relationship, like, both platonic and romantic it's like i feel like you know there's no one way to interpret the books but i feel like some people read them and just throw the words out the window and <laughs> like warp them to fit their own like agenda like or not agenda but like narrative. what they want you know yeah their own narrative and it's like the same people who will read the books and still say with a straight face you know i think draco is a good person like it's also then you didn't read them <laughs> what was i gonna say but like also people i also see like a lot of like ron and hermione shippers like they also get it like wrong too because a lot of people like see them as like having crushes on each other in like this book and i really don't see that like it's possible but i think it started yeah. it definitely was at some point in prisoner of azkaban like, I personally, yeah. I believe that Ron definitely had started his crush when Hermione had that whole, like, badass chapter where she's like, he's like, she hit Draco, she's doing, she ditched the divination classroom. Like, that was definitely where Ron yeah. was like, whoa. I but think I think Hermione's way, probably started earlier than Ron's. The way that I see it is that I think that from day one that they, you know, I think they were always soulmates because mm-hmm. I know that that can, you know... When I think about, like, in real life or, you know, outside the books, I think that soulmates can change. Sometimes it's different from day one or day 3000. Like, it changes. But I think from day one that Ron and Hermione were soulmates. And I think that the first two books were probably them kind of realizing it. I wouldn't say that they actively had crushes on each other in this book. However, I do think that they were always meant to be together yeah. and i think Which that cursed child you know, so awful because they have yeah well actually they did kind of do it right because it's like they kind of did the thing where it's like in every reality they get together because they yeah. kind of did that by themselves but yeah but um i think that when what was that note earlier that i oh when i said that ron like there's something about the dynamic of his relationship with hermione that makes her outbesting him unbearable I think that while they may not have actively had crushes on each other in that moment, I think there was something about that impending, you know, relationship that they somehow inside could feel. And that's what made the dynamic of their relationship so complicated, especially when it came to Hermione, like, outbesting him at a lot of things. So I feel like, I feel like somewhere deep in their subconscious, even in this book, I feel like they knew, but I feel like it took a while for them to fully come to terms with it and, like, realize it. 
That's like my take on it. <laughs> okay. Uh, can, I, can I twist it in this one of my notes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, this was just a quote, okay? okay. Just... He pushed the door ajar and peered inside and a horrible scene met his eyes. Snape and Filch were inside, alone. Snape when Snape was holding his robes above his knees. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. I, know what I don't even to need to say it. And I would just like to say, I don't think that, like, above the knee is, like, necessarily, like, <laughs> enough. Like, just above the knee, like, that's just enough for, like, seeing his calves and, like, that's not, Ooh. like, <laughs> I don't think there's anything particularly special about Snape's calves, so I know what you're going to say, it's, and you don't need to say it, say because it. I think, I think you're insane, I think you're crazy, I think that that's the most unlikely thing to ever come out of this series. Like, I'm in general, already hesitant about, like, non-canon shit. Not that I disagree I'm not shipping Snape no, and Phil. No, I know that. <laughs> let, me, let me say my piece, Colin, please. I'm just, you know, I'm skeptical about a lot of them. Even things that are, like, Dean and Seamus, because while I do understand that they were best friends, it's, like, there's no really, like, actual dialogue. Like, there's dialogue between them, but not enough for me to, like, fully be on board with it. It's not like I'm against it, necessarily. It's just, like, I need some sort of foundation to, like, be completely behind it. Like, mm -hmm. real, like, factual foundation. But, um, I yeah. Think it's so it's cute, like, though. Already... I kind of like it. Yeah, of course it is. Like, I do as well, but I wouldn't say that I specifically, like, I don't like explicitly, like, ships like it. Dean and Thomas. Dean and Thomas, Dean and Seamus, and, like, Pravardi and Lavender, because they seem like they yeah. could happen, but they're just, like, on the Absolutely. side, Absolutely, like, you know? I think it's, I think it's probable, and I think they're sweet, you know, like, the art and stuff is cool, uh -huh. but I wouldn't ever, I wouldn't, not that I wouldn't ever say it, it's just like, you're not passionate about it, like. Yeah, it's not that I would really, it's not, and I'm, and it's not like I would say, like, oh, yes, like, I ship this or whatever because I need like I need more than that like I need a foundation like if there was like tons and tons of dialogue between Dean and Seamus in the books where I could really see like their relationship as friends that would you know be like helpful but without that it's like I can't ever really like be fully behind it because there's like just being friends or like the fact that they were described as best friends isn't really enough to build a relationship on and like I know that it's fictional but still like for me, it's, like, it's not enough. Yeah. Like, but also, somehow, they have more of a setup than Draco and Hermione, which... <laughs> oh, my God. I, I will never, ever, 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 ever even say that Draco and Hermione make even the tiniest bit of sense. Like, they have... At all. They never have a conversation. Ever. Hermione and Draco? Yeah. Like, there's, no, not like, like, a real conversation. Maybe, like, quips no. or something. But, like, there's... Quips, yeah. Like... They always, like, the closest they've ever got to a conversation was when she slapped him in the face. Like, what <laughs> do you want to say? And I, I just hate the, like, you know, because those, I've never read a single um, Draco and Hermione, like, fan, I've never read any of the fan fiction. I haven't, I tried to ignore the art, but I feel like I've seen, I've seen things, like, said about it on, like, apps like TikTok and stuff, and I feel like people romanticize, like, 
that scene especially where she slaps him in the face for being a jerk and they're like oh my gosh i love it it's so hot and i'm like why are you romanticizing her literally slapping him yeah in that's face? like not that yeah, yeah that seems not like, that she would yeah i'm sorry yeah, it's, I, like, it's not <laughs> not that she would be the toxic one in that relationship but it's still things like that and like him calling her slurs and people are like yes this is the relationship i want and it's like no it's not like, I, you would never be saying these things if they were real people. I guess like, I, I get the that... appeal of, like, enemies to lovers. No, just in general. Yeah, like, but that not thing. Like, but, like, I don't... Yeah. I don't like enemies to lovers. I don't think I've, like, ever no. really liked it. Like, no. the closest I've ever no. liked was, like, Annabelle and... Anna, Annabelle. A- Annabeth and Percy. Like, they... That's... Yeah, that's a bit They different. weren't horrible. They weren't that enemies. is just, like, a good example. Because, like, it's just... Yeah. how you do it in a better form is just to like have them be like yes. smart with each other and like have like yes. little insults exactly. not literally bully each other yeah and like literally he literally calls her my same thing with dreary like, like i get it's <laughs> at least it's not like <laughs> it's at least it's not like blood prejudice but like it's still bullying like it's a different dynamic I mean, it kind of is actually like what Oh, well, you know, like, he doesn't obviously call Harry a mudblood because Harry isn't muggle-born, but he's still, like, a jerk to him. Yeah, he calls out his mother for being muggle-born multiple times. Yeah, constantly. And it's like, I, yeah, I'll never understand the, like, you do you, honestly, like, whoever's listening. Like, I'm not gonna, like, you know, tell you to stop. I feel like they've already closed off of this by now, by the first mention of we don't support Drake. (laughs) (laughs) If they haven't, you know, it's like, you do you, but I honestly, I just think that people should be more careful, especially on apps where there are young kids on, like, on TikTok, like, romanticizing relationships that would just be really toxic and probably abusive and just really awful. Like, I think people should be more careful glorifying that kind of... <laughs> okay, and we should continue. Okay. I actually, what is this rant we went I actually, on? <laughs> I have a note about Malfoy, actually. Oh. Um, I, I meant to talk about this earlier, like, the first time we meet him, but I actually have a note on his name. So, like, you know, how I, I've been saying that lots of the names in this series, like, have a deeper meaning. So, Malfoy comes from the French phrase Malfoy, which means of bad faith or unfaithful. And then dragon! And it's... <laughs> <laughs> but wait, wait, it's also... Malfoy has also been reported as, like, a Latin male first name. And Draco, as we know, means dragon. And I found this out because I looked up Hogwarts slogan, yeah. which is Draco... Never tickle a sleeping Landis, dragon. Never tickle a sleeping dragon. Um, which also, I'm surprised that Draco like... never <laughs> bragged about being in the Hogwarts motto. <laughs> like, if, if there was an actual kid named Draco at that school and this is real life, they would totally do that all the time. <laughs> like, Yeah, absolutely. I just, I, that's not really, like, the Hogwarts slogan, like, wasn't the point of my note, but I think it's very fitting that Draco's name is Dragon of Bad Faith, but I feel like the dragon has less to do with him, like, being, like, powerful or breathing fire, and more with his parents being extremely pretentious. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that Draco also means serpent in Latin. And they also, like, which can't I feel be like, tamed, you know? And, like... <laughs> <laughs> The one interaction you see with, like, a dragon, and, like, in the book where, like, Draco is, like, at his worst, is him, is a dragon being chained up, which isn't, like, I'm not gonna say that, like, oh my gosh, poor Draco, but, like, it's, it's definitely, like, kind of a metaphor there, like, 
It's I guess so, yeah. Because he's definitely sense. trapped in that at that point. From the choices he made. Yeah. It was his fault. Yeah. But it's his fault that he got himself in that situation, but he was still stuck. <laughs> um but yeah, I feel like if anything, if his parents named him Draco for because it meant dragon. It's just because they're extremely pretentious. But I feel like they also could have chosen it because it means serpent and they were like, You're gonna they're like they're like indoctrinating him as a baby. They're like over his bassinet, like you're gonna be a Slytherin, Draco. <laughs> you're gonna be in Slytherin. I you really know? want a fan fiction where Draco's put in Hufflepuff. That would be so good. I bet it's out there. But like But the thing is he would like, probably yeah. turn out to be a better person if he was in Hufflepuff. Because he's not surrounded by horrible people. Yeah, and the thing is, is that if he would have asked the hat to put him in Hufflepuff, as Harry asked it to put him in Gryffindor, he wouldn't have been meant to be a Slytherin, because it was, it would be that choice that set him apart from the others, which is kind of what I was saying about, like, my house theory in... Well, actually, we don't necessarily know if you get to choose your house, or if you just get to choose Gryffindor. Because the whole point of, like, choosing to be Gryffindor is that you have to choose to be brave. That's what the whole thing is of it. That's true. So I'm not sure sure if it's like that for any other one. I feel like there could be, you know, reasoning like that behind choosing Hufflepuff. Like, if he Mm would have, like, said to the hat, or if the hat would have sensed him saying, don't put me in Slytherin because I don't want to be like my parents. Because he he always knew what his parents were up to. You know, he Mm -hmm. always knew what they were like. If he would have said, you know, don't put me in Slytherin, I don't want to be like them. That would be, like, choosing to be kind. And I feel like that would also, like, make sense. But, and also, um, really yeah, weird. No. <laughs> I don't know how he would get that mentality <laughs> at that point. He couldn't, you know? Yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's like, you are abs- you are 100% a product of your environment before you have the chance to, like, explore the world yourself and build your own personality. And Draco you know, literally most... never gets that. He never gets the right never. environment. No, I mean, at Hogwarts, Except he... I actually even as a really like the idea... Of, like, I hate Cursed Child, but I love the idea of, like, Draco finding somebody who, like, could see the good in him and, like, be a good example. Mm. Like, Astoria Greengrass, I, I believe that. that's her name. That's that's his wife. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like that. I like her. I mean, we literally know nothing about her. I believe she's name-dropped in one of the sort sorting ceremonies later. Really? Yeah. Maybe. I, yeah, I feel like I... That makes she sense as well, but like I feel the, like that idea... The 12 wizarding families. Right, let me look that Oh, up. maybe. I feel like that idea is also kind of... I, I don't want to say dangerous, but at the same time, it's like saying that, you know, Draco just needed to wait for a woman to fix him is also kind of, like, not the right idea because it's not... Even if he was, like, a horrible person, even if he had somewhere inside of him the ability to, you know, not be awful if there was the right person to show him that he didn't have to be, but I feel like the idea that it's, like, you know a woman's job to, like, fix him or, you know, make him a better person is also kind of just gross, you know? It's, like, it's not I mean, also probably being a father was part of that, I'm sure. There was some metaphor there. I'm sure, yeah. And, yes, green grass is one of the sacred 28. What's so many... No, okay, so I'm moving on to Quidditch. I don't know if you're ready for that. Yes, yes, go ahead. (laughs) I'm ready. The writing (laughs) of this Quidditch chapter is so weird. Like, we keep on switching perspectives, and it's so confusing. It's literally probably one of the worst written chapters of Harry Potter, in my opinion. Because, like, it's... 
you it's so like unformatted like we don't really get this for any of the other books about this probably because she learned because this is horrible i hate this now <laughs> but like it's so weird like we switch between like everyone's perspective <laughs> like we go to lee jordan and mcgonagall then we're at harry then we're with ron and hermione oh. and then it's like constantly switching and there's yeah, no like I, clear I switch or anything I thought you were going to talk about, like, the rules of Quidditch. Oh, I was no. going to say, like, I didn't really understand them either. <laughs> I had to read <laughs> no, when stupid. I first read the books. They're stupid. <laughs> I remember when I first read the books and I was, like, reading this chapter and I was like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I had to reread it, like, several times. It, yeah, Although, it took a minute. Although, we get Lee but, Jordan I mean, I don't commentating and I love him. I love that. That's, like, the best part of him. Hitting him hitting on Angelina like, Johnson go. is just hilarious. Him, yeah, him getting off-topic and Miss McGonagall's I kind of there. get She's why like, they didn't Lee. put it in the movie, though, because, like, he looked a lot... He looked very young to be hitting on somebody in... Because they kind of, <laughs> like, casted him way too young. Book? Because um, he's Fred and George's year, so he... 13. Yeah. That in makes a lot book, yeah. more sense than... Angelina Johnson loved. would also be 13, though. Yeah. I, is she yeah. in year? She is because in the last no, so in Harry's fourth year, um, oh wait no, she's a year above, so she would have been yeah, because she had turned seventeen when Fred and George wouldn't be. They were in sixth year during the Goblet of Fire, so during the Triwizard Tournament, Harry's a fourth year, the twins and Lee sixth year, so they're no, sixteen. She's a year younger That's than why them, she must be. No, because no. she was already 17 when the tri was. No, I think they're happened, in the same she year because in. she graduates in Order of the Phoenix and so did Fred and George. Oh, you're right. Yeah, because the the year after, because in the fifth book, she was captain, yeah. so she still had to be there. Yeah, so she was just old for her year. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so she was in the same year as them. She was just a couple months older. So she probably, she may, she may have been 14 at the time because by the time they put the, the, the the goblet of fire out so that she could put her name in she was 17 very early in the fourth book so she would be 14 early in this book yeah so i love lee jordan but i can't wait for this part because one of my favorite moments of the entire book is when luna lovegood is commentating the match oh my gosh that part is so good it's it, so funny you never see it coming losers lure you <laughs> <laughs> She's so funny. I, like, there are a couple things about her that are, like, everyone, like, people who love her, like, it's very nice, but they, like, make her out to be, like, perfect, like, the only one in the book who's, like, mm-hmm. no flaws, and it's, like, that's not true. Like, she had her, plenty, but she... I mean, she's, like, a side character, so her flaws aren't gonna be, like, as big. Well, she's, like, a secondary character, yeah. you know? Like, she's yeah. not as, like, behind as, like, Dean and Seamus, but... Yeah. She's, like, at Ginny level. Yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love when we just I was stop. waiting for you. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I was waiting say. for you to say something else. Okay. Oh, I thought you were going to, like, other... talk about her flaws. Oh. <laughs> I mean, she, I we can get already to Luna kind later. of, yeah, we already talked about it a little bit last time. We that did she's a little bit, yeah. But. Yeah, for sure. But in a different way than Hermione, which is why she was able to be Ravenclaw. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Anyways, mm. okay, um. Oh, right. So we actually, on our, um, you know, podcast hosting provider, we, or I realized, I don't know if you had seen it before me, that you can, like, turn, you know, your downloads and look at them on the map. And it was pretty incredible because as of right now, we have, like, 
66 downloads from the United States, which is where we are, so it's not, like, very, you know, insane. But we have 21 downloads from Germany. Hi. So Nine. No, that's not right. No, Donka. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Donka. Um, <laughs> yes, so thank you, you know, to our German audience. We also have some people from the United Kingdom, France, Hello. Australia, Turkey, Mexico, Brazil, India, and Sweden. So that's just really insane for us to think about, like, that there's so many of you from all over yeah. the world. So Why? thank you so much for, for tuning in <laughs> to to our podcast. Even if Colin does not have faith in us, I do. I and I'm very glad that you're here. Us. I'm just saying... I have no idea why anyone would want to listen to us. Maybe we're really exciting, but maybe we should stop it here before you, like, get them, like, to leave, so. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Okay. But we appreciate you, and thank you to all of our European and Asian and South American audience. Yeah. We, Until stupid next time. Americans. <laughs> um, <laughs> why'd you pause it? I'm I'm still recording. You don't have control over me. I get to edit this episode. <laughs> Bye guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Go follow us on Instagram at Ron and Hermione minus the romance and we'll see you next week.